Oh, welcome back, everybody. You are going to be famous, Jen Stout. <laughs> I'm JB. I'm Mike. It's This This Sucks. Welcome back. Yeah. Here we are again. Welcome back. Here we are again. Um, weird, not the same bat time and not the same bat channel. And I don't yeah. know if that's good or bad. I mean, it's a Monday, so... I did get a couple complaint text messages as early as Saturday morning at like eight o'clock. So someone was up and like, what the fuck? Right. They're like, you asshole. You let down your fans. Yes. Yeah, seriously. We've, we fucking ruin people's days yeah. when we don't get shit out on Friday nights. Yeah. I was telling Mike Riley, who was uh, Riley, Mr. Riley Rath, who was a guest a while back. Shout out Riley. Yep. He's a mailman. And he was like, dude, I have to drive around for like 12 hours today. What the fuck am I going to do? <laughs> like, oh, I don't know. Go back and listen to previous episodes or something. I know. He has to have favorites by now listening to fucking 12. Because we don't have that many hours worth of material. Yeah. So. I mean, if he's filling his time with that. Yeah, yeah. he's got to fucking double down in some capacity. <laughs> At any rate, um, thanks, for, thanks for tuning in, especially if you're on YouTube. And again, because this is such a weird night and everything. Um, but I mean, listen, we had like you had family in town. Yeah, it was my fault. No, it's not your fault at all because um, because Ben Williams was in town. He, he was. was so wonderful. It, like he was our guest last week on the show. Yeah. And it was a blast like to talk with him and to be able to hang out with him. And so you had to get you got to get time in with pops. Yeah, it was great. And it wouldn't be like, I know it's your last night here, dad, but I'm going to be tied up. All night long with the podcast. So, you know, I'll see you next time you come to Iowa. <laughs> so Hopefully it's soon. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe next year. Yeah. Where does your dad live? He lives in California. He lives in a uh, fucking Visalia, Jan yeah. Stout. What? Like Fresno, Visalia? Yeah, Visalia. That's where I'm from too, Jen. So. Really? Yeah. But you guys met in Iowa. Yeah, of course. Mm -hmm. Of course. I've lived here since I was like six. Yeah. Uh, in okay. Iowa. Yeah. So, so that's I lived in Fresno for like two and a half years, which wasn't the end of the world. Like at that time of my life, it was good. <laughs> Stay at home moms for days, you know, and I didn't have to work and it was cheap living, but it's really, really fucking hot. Yeah. It's Fresno. It's really hot. Yeah. And then I lived in Turlock for seven months this year and that's during fucking the election. hot too. Oh, During wow. the election. Wow. That's all we're going to have to say about that. Yeah, I was going to say, because Turlock's a weird place now. I mean, mm -hmm. Turlock's always been kind of a weird place, but it's one of those weird pockets of conservatism in the Central Valley. Is it? Really? Yeah. Interesting. Uh -huh. You know those fucking dairy farmers, man. Yeah, And all those true. dairy farmers. There's a lot of those get, in Visalia, too. I know, but they get pissed off about taxes. Yeah. And a and lot it, of churches, too. Oh, the fuck. That's right. How did I the forget? The most per capita in the Guinness book or something back in the 90s? Well, yeah, because I don't think that they're, I don't think that it's like that anymore. But back in the day, like when you and I were going to high school, that was the fucking claim to fame for Turlock. Is it Turlock? Monavist Chapel, right? <laughs> <laughs> Everyone wanted to go hang out there. So Turlock was the most churches per capita. Yes. And Fresno was the most murders per capita. Isn't <laughs> that right? Is that right? I thought it was Stockton. Uh, I think Dude, for a little Stockton while, at least was... for a couple of years, it was Fresno. In Oakland, for sure. <laughs> yeah. Like, just East Oakland. Just East <laughs> I Oakland. I can see that coming up year after year. Yeah. <laughs> is that where you're at now, Jen? I am actually in Martinez, which is near Martin uh, is Walnut Creek, kind of that area. Okay. East Bay. It is East like, Bay, though. 
Yeah. It is East Bay. Yeah. And I'm yeah. right on the water. And honestly, it's, I never thought I would live here. Um, I used to visit my grandpa here all the time. My grandpa bought the house I live in. And then my dad grew up here. And then my sister later rented it. And now it's my house, which I just put on 660 square feet. And then I'm like, I just want to remodel the whole thing. Yeah. So, <laughs> a year and four months later, we're almost done. <laughs> That's awesome, though, dude. That's yeah. a long time for that house to be in your family. That is awesome. Yeah. yeah. And Dexter's in grandpa's bedroom, and they go to the same school as my dad, which, and it's on our street. So they just walk themselves to school. I'm like, fourth grade and first grade, you're on your own. That's fine. That's you, wild. You know, so, um, so one of Genevieve's best friends from college lives in Livermore. And that's one really cool thing that I never realized was a thing in the East Bay, but like schools being not just in the neighborhood that the kids attend, but like, fuck you close to like all of these houses. And it's almost one of these deals where when we were over there last time visiting with her friend Burl, we all walked, um, her, her oldest son's name is Otis Fox. And it's such like what a badass name! It's a fucking badass name, Otis Fox. Otis Fox. Otis Fox Anderson. Yeah, no, absolutely. And so we all walked Odie to school, and it's like (laughs) the cutest little walk. And all of the kids basically walked to school. And I was like, "What the fuck?" Like I didn't even realize that was a thing in the Bay Area, but clearly it is. Like if it's taking place in Martinez and Livermore, there's not a lot of people that let their kids walk by themselves i will admit Uh, but but it's on the same side of the street and there's a crossing guard who's already told me that she's got she's reprimanded them for fighting so i feel like they're pretty taken care of yeah you know yeah sounds like it but at the same time you know if you start letting your kid walk to school by himself in like second or third grade you're gonna wake up one day and he's gonna be like what mom I was born on the streets. <laughs> I'm hard. I was raised in that environment. <laughs> no, and the cool thing, it starts so early. Like, okay, he's not wearing a bike helmet. He's not doing any of that. He comes out on his first day of real school, and he's wearing head-to-toe black. He's nine, okay? So, what, Tori's age? Yeah. He's got on a, a Puma hat, a Hurley shirt, Adidas track pants, and then his Nikes. And I'm like, take off three of those labels. <laughs> <laughs> trying way too hard. Pick one and <laughs> go with it. <laughs> yeah. I love it. I love you that. Know, and, awesome. th- and then he's like, if I could only ever lie riding this in a Lamborghini, I would, my life would be so much better. He just dropped me off once. <laughs> wow. And so I pulled out all my certificates from when my dad used to drop me off in the Porsche. I don't know if you remember that. Mm-hmm. And he's pretty excited to meet your, is it a Viper now? No, I actually have. So I had a Viper and I almost killed Holden in the Viper one day. Oh dear. And I was like, Jesus, okay, we can't do this anymore. I'm sorry, everybody. Um, post- so I had a poster. Yeah, poster nutbag wanted to come up and say hello. Um, so I got rid of the Viper because it was just, it was, man, it was such a death trap. And then, um, but now I, now I actually have a 911 myself and my 911 okay, is Okay, so I think car. that's fine. He'll yeah. be okay with that. Yeah. I hope so. <laughs> I hope so. Um, but Victoria does the same thing. Like every once in a while, Victoria will be like, dad, can you pick me up in the little car? And it's like, all right, yeah, I'm gonna pick you up in the little car. Just don't, you know? just don't dilly dally in car line. Right. Like get your ass in, get buckled. Let's get out of here right. type of thing. So, right. 
Um, but anyway, um, enough enough about kids and enough about all that stuff. We we sure. do talk about music, and um, it, I would be remiss if I didn't mention some of the new music that Rex Todd specifically sent me a text message about. Ooh, that's new. Yeah, because Friday, I mean Friday, there was. There was actually there was some pretty good bangers that came out on Friday. Not to like just to name a few. Um, there's oh. a new garbage record that came out uh-huh. on wow. Friday. There's a new Counting Crows that came oh. out on Friday. Mm-hmm. And a new Dropkick Murphys that came out hmm. on Friday as well. And um, kudos to Rex for digging all of that shit out. Oh, and he also threw out Ronnie Millsap. <laughs> Released a new record. And Rex, I'm just going to say, fuck you. I love you, buddy, but fuck off with your Ronnie Millsap shit. You can keep Ronnie Millsap and Eric Church all to yourself. Yeah, I was going to say, thank God there's not another Eric Church. <laughs> oh, God. Because didn't he do like two weeks in a row or some shit? Yeah, like dude. That? Heart and soul. Jesus Can't Christ. have one without the yeah. other. <laughs> Well, that was like the Uno Dos Trace, and we won't talk about that. Yeah, yeah, we're gonna either. skip over Uno Dos Trace when we get to Green Day for sure. Yes, yeah. please. Um, but at any rate, a lot, a lot of good music came out on Friday, and the only one that I got a chance to listen to is I listened to probably the first four tracks on Dropkick Murphys, and you know what? It's a it's a Dropkick Murphys record. Sounds like Dropkick Murphys, huh? <laughs> yeah, I mean, it doesn't. I don't know that those guys go for like wide varieties in sound. You know what I'm I mean? I'm intrigued by the yeah, not at all. <laughs> I'm intrigued by the garbage thing though. I didn't even know they were still doing putting stuff out. It's mm-hmm. different. It's I mean, it's still surely you can tell, but it's different music. It's very different. Yeah. The only two, there's only two songs out, but yeah. Oh, oh it's just so like a preview. Are, okay, so these are like single previews that dropped from a forthcoming record. Is that what's going on? Mm-hmm. And gotcha. if you add it to your Apple Music. Because I'm yeah. an Apple Music girl, then when yeah. it's done, it will alert you. But yes, gotcha. and I do the same thing. I mean, I technically I'm such a fucking goober because of this podcast that I now have Apple Music and I have Spotify. Nice. Because some records are some records are easier to find on Spotify. Got to get the best playlist. Yeah, I but I do I do love me the lyrics that are on Apple Music. Yeah, I mean, that's fucking clutch. Lee Stamper mentioned that like two weeks ago, and I was like, "What?" Yeah, Spotify does not do that. They do not yeah, at all. I just I discovered it, and it's like good and bad because then I realized I've been like super happy, <laughs> bopping around, and they're singing about like a suicide or something really <laughs> awful. Yeah, and I'd rather just not know, or maybe it's not making so it beat because. <laughs> Or you realize that the words that you've been singing for like the past 15 years of your life are just fucking not even close. Like it's not even close to what they're actually saying. And it ruins it for you. Well, it doesn't ruin it for you. You just feel like a shithead, right? Because you're like, wait a minute. I was at a show and I was shouting that and they were saying that. (laughs) Yep. Well, I won't tell you how old I was when I finally realized Centerfield, you know, John Fogarty. I yes. always thought it was about a train trip, like the coach section, not to mention like, a billion baseball references what? in the song. <laughs> wait a minute. Wait, wait. Where the fuck? You know, put like, me where in did coach. That I... And I thought he was, I thought he was mixed it up. <laughs> I don't know I this think song. I mixed it up with the no, uh, center field by John Fogarty. For an aeroplane. How's it go? <laughs> Sing it. Put me in, coach. Hope I'm ready to I'm play. Hey, 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 center field. Are you fucking kidding me? 
<laughs> Stop it. I'm sure if I heard the, the legit version, maybe I would. Oh, you son of a bitch. <laughs> I guess Fuck we're just you. I apologize, Mike. <laughs> God damn it. It was just you guys were both hitting it from different angles. Jen was clapping over there. and I seriously can't. <laughs> I seriously can't even. That Man, that's a good one. I never would have guessed that you would have been like, oh, yeah, this song is definitely about a train. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, I and speaking of the age thing, and I'm sure that JB knows this, but I was a couple years ago, I was dating this guy and we were in the car and the song's playing and he goes, wait, did they say brass monkey? And I'm like, you're too young for me. Oh, wow. You're you were listening to the Beastie Boys and he didn't pick up brass monkey? Wow. I know it. Yeah, yeah that's, a shame. that's a deal breaker. That is a huge <laughs> deal breaker. Yeah. <laughs> it's a huge deal breaker. <laughs> He's like, what is this? Is this new? Some hot beats. (laughs) Brass monkey. Is that like? uh, Is that like white claw? (laughs) Interesting. You you put it in a cup. Mm -hmm. There you go. Tilt your head back and finish the cup. All right. Exactly. So, with that with that being said, um, what do you say? Do you want to you want to jump into this week? Let's hop in. Yeah, I think you're one three five. Oh, you prepared? I am prepared. Okay, good. Thankfully, I am not prepared with. I'm not prepared with the emails for Rex. I got it, but that's okay because you're you're one three five for Rex exactly. And so I will prepare myself um, at some point in time during this next conversation. So this week we're going through three seventy five through three seventy one. And the first album we're going to talk about this week is number 375, the 1994 release from Green Day, Dookie. Rolling Stone says, The album that jump-started the 90s pump-pock revival. The skittish Dookie was recorded in little more than three weeks, and singer-guitarist Billy Joe Armstrong blazed through all the vocals in two days. Quote, Right from getting the drum sound, everything seemed to click. And quote, their A&R man, the Dookie producer Rob Cavallo marveled. Indeed, click is the operative word here. Also describing Armstrong's airtight three-minute bow shots like Welcome to Paradise, Basket Case, and the infectious and the infectious smash Longview, which Armstrong described as quote, cheap self-therapy from watching too much TV, end quote. Jen Stout, we brought you on to the show because I knew that you are a massive, 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 massive Green Day fan. So you want to kick this off? Sure. Go. <laughs> so I've had this long, long developing career with Green Day, you can say, from my fandom. So you have to remember, 1994, when they came out, I had just returned from spending a year living in Germany. And all we listened to is music that went, ums, 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 ums. <laughs> <laughs> and very little meaningful lyrics. Okay. So then you come home to this and like, I would still watch MTV Europe, but it was still focused on like European, you know, like Aerosmith made the cut and stuff, Metallica, but you know, Green Day was not going to air there. So I come home to this and it's like, totally not what I'm used to. And I made these I mean, notes. I'm like, it was loud. It was bold. It was crude. It was irreverent. It's like the opposite of a Boy Scout, right? Mm-hmm. The opposite of all of theirs. <laughs> and that's what they were. And mostly they just, they confused me when they first came out. Cause like they just made me feel really kind of uncomfortable. I was very naive growing up and then I'm listening to these lyrics and I don't know what's going on. <laughs> and I don't know if you guys read, I read the, um, like how they made Longview 
And I mean, everyone knows what it's about, right? It's about jerking off and, and being high, mm-hmm. which again, that's what you do in your 20s. That's what you do. And hey, 20s? Then I learned, I'm in my 20s. I mean, seriously? I'm in my 40s. Come on. <laughs> I mean, you never really stop, right? <laughs> <laughs> but that's when you first start doing that. Is that, yeah. is that what you're saying? Yeah, I think yeah. that's what she's alluding to. Like when you have enough time to get bored of it, I guess is my point. <laughs> How about that? You can lay around and do those things, but you don't end up ever getting bored because everyone's like, mom, ah, right? <laughs> so, so, okay. Anyway, so, so there we go. They, they confuse me, made me feel uncomfortable. And then like, the mixing of the pronouns. Remember in the song where it's like, he went to the whore and she said, my life's a bore. And I'm like, what's happening? Yeah. Like, so the whole song confused me. Transgender prostitute, right? That's mm-hmm. how I took that. Basically. Yeah. But I didn't even know what that was in 1994. Right. That's yeah. true. So, yeah. That's racy so as like, fuck in the mid nineties. Yeah. Kids hearing that these yeah. days, that's just like, yeah, that makes sense. You know, but like, yeah, I know. even when I was listening to this, which was like 2005, I was probably like puzzling it out, you know? Yeah. It's like yeah. had to draw like a diagram and connect the dots and be like, wait, it said in this line. <laughs> and they were into that. Like they, they were very mixed and fluid read about them. Um, but so like, I, I listen, of course I downloaded it. And I think I've talked about, like I, I get about music sometimes. And a lot of the songs in high school, I'm like, I am not cool enough for this, but I'm going <laughs> to listen to it and then tell everyone I listen to it. <laughs> but Green Day. So then I get to college and I was not joining the band. Okay. I'm sure Mike has shared his shameful secret, but we were a high school marching band. We were elementary or junior high marching band. Yeah, they and were fucking nerds. It, I'm right there with you guys. It was awful. Yeah. And then in college, I'm like, I'm not doing that. And I'm walking up like I, I did not go. And then I'm they'd already gone to their camp band camp. And then they this were like time, walking up to camp? rehearsal. And I see them walking. And I'm like, hey, I'm like, they look like they're having so much fun. And then the rest was history. I joined the band. I was gonna say you fucking joined the band. You were part of the I Cal totally band. Totally joined the band. Good for you. And then the first thing, our first show was alternative. So it was Smashing Pumpkins, uh, Sound No. What's the Soundgarden. Soundgarden. And then like Green Day. We played Basket Kiss. I'm like, wow. In the marching band. That's fucking rad. That is fucking rad. It was so fun. And then two years later. So after a football game, once you're a sophomore, you break off during fourth quarter and then you go play for beers at all the fraternity houses. Sure. (laughs) And we're on like the seventh or eighth one. And I was like like a director assistant and I get up there. I'm like, basket case. And it is so hard to play (laughs) because it's just like such a consistent beat, you know? And yeah, it totally fell apart. But just uh it was it was great it was great and then the other thing i love about it do you guys know that the when i come around video is just them walking through the bart station at powell street no i did not know that that was the uh, powell street bart station yeah it's that super long part that smells really bad yeah (laughs) um and they're just walking through bart and that's where they are um and then uh what i was gonna say and then Sorry, I'm looking, looking at my notes here. And then Welcome to Paradise, which is all about them living in Oakland, like in this super ghetto place, not far of where I ended up buying a townhome. <laughs> and then, um, yeah, but I do. Like, I just continue to, like, follow them, love them. And I still the place that Mike Dern owns because I just love how they, they own a restaurant. Or it's just him. It's Mike Dern. And he owns this little restaurant, and they support the community. They started a coffee company. They make Oakland coffee. And they're mm. just – 
local guys. Like they just seem cool. And well, and I they've always I stuck around. <laughs> they've always stuck around like the Bay Area and the East Bay and everything. And so I've like I've respected the fuck out of that too. Like yeah, that is super cool. I guess I didn't you know paid as, didn't know that as much. But <clears throat> what kind of food is Mike Dirt's Mike Dirt's restaurant? Oh, it's so great. It's just home cooking. Like you can literally see that they just grated that cheese, like super thick grating. And they do the country fried steak one night or they'll do a like a super big, you know, egg omelet thing. And then they have a nine to 1 a.m. happy hour. I knew Mike was cool. Yeah. 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 Oh, and they make a milkshake with stout and yeah, they make a Guinness milkshake. Mm. That and they bring delicious. Cheerios for the kids. So it's just a super fun place. I love like I, I love this record to death. Like this is yeah. this is yeah. this is like my first punk record, right? This is kind of like it your just first makes foray. You feel into good. It. Yeah. yeah. No, I mean seriously though, like I never listened to punk before this and this like this opened the door to I mean, I love no effects because of Green Day. Yeah. You know, like like those two those two bands and no effects fans would be pissed to hear me say that like to listen to me say that they're cut from the same cloth. But I really do. Like, I think no effects is probably a little bit more technically proficient, if you will. I agree with you, though. And I think no effects fans would be more pissed than Green Day fans would be. (laughs) You know, but absolutely. I I don't disagree with you at all. But this totally opened that door, right? It opened the door Mm -hmm. for Blink-182 because Blink-182 falls into this exact same. Yeah, there's a whole wealth of bands. Some 41, like the Good Charlotte. The one-hit wonder. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. No, but they're all fucking wonderful. And if Dookie doesn't come out, I don't think that I ever, I don't think that I ever give any of those bands any of my time. Right. If Dookie doesn't happen. Yeah. That sucked you in for sure. Yeah. And I also remember when this album, like probably after basket case really broke, or maybe it was after when I come around really broke. Do you guys remember? And you don't JB, cause you would have been like three, (laughs) but fucking MTV live telecasted a green day show. And I want to say it was from somewhere in the Bay area, but like maybe I, at Gilman Street or something like that, or very maybe in possibly. The city? I don't remember. Yeah. I don't remember what the venue was, but I remember they played it live on MTV, and I was like, "Fuck yeah!" Because That's awesome. the crowd was hype as shit, like, and and the band was really really tight. And I just remember thinking to myself, "Fuck, it'd be so much fun. It'd be so much fun to go to that show." Have you seen them live? Right. I have still not ever seen green day live wow dude how about you jan have you seen him oh yeah i started it was a very late like development of this whole thing like i of course i listened to them throughout the years and um what was i gonna oh that famous one you know it's something unpredictable but then the end that you know that one time of your life totally ever played i'm not a big fan but and then um they came out the musical. I don't know if you've even heard about it, but they took their American Idiot album and yep. they turned it into a musical and they debuted it at the Berkeley Rep in Berkeley where they totally wrote and lived and did all of their development. Hell and yeah. I went and you took you take that music and they're on stage dancing and singing and it's punk and it's political and it's crazy. And then I saw it again. Um, and then with them, I saw them in a stadium first, not a stadium, just an amphitheater first. And then to the to the Greek theater in Berkeley, Mike. I saw them at the Greek. The Greek is amazing. They'd never That's played a there. Great venue. Yeah, I've not been to the Greek. 
Um, yeah, and then down to a teeny yeah. tiny one in in, Ber- in Berkeley, and and then we're going in July to a stadium. So we'll see. Very cool. <laughs> Man, yeah, that's awesome. I've I've had the good fortune to see him a couple times. I, you both, have. both in Des Moines. Iowa and both at the same venue actually Wells Fargo Arena for those who live in Des Moines and know where that so it's is. It's huge, huge. So I, I mean, saw them on the like twenty thousand. I think it's like twenty thousand, yeah. right? Twenty five thousand. At, at the Wells very Fargo. most, it might even be less than that. It might be closer to fifteen. Yeah, I think. Um, but uh, the first time was on the American Idiot tour, and it was fucking okay. awesome. I mean, I was like fourteen years old, and I was obsessed with them at the time. I was wow. I was probably in eighth grade, and like that was when. Like Blink One Eighty Two was really big, and mm. Green Day was kind of a little bit past really at that time. Yeah. But I was—they're doing different kind of stuff. It's yeah. a rock opera. It's not punk. I yeah, with think. American Idiot, you mean American Idiot? Yeah, yeah sure. big time for sure. I loved it though. I mean, Billy Joe—he's oh. just one of those guys that like just has such command of the crowd that he can just yes. literally get them to do anything he wants. And like, they never leave stage. They never leave the stage yeah. for three or for two hours. It's crazy. I, I just remember on the American Idiot tour, he was doing that thing that so many like singers do where he starts going like, Hey, Oh, and he gets like the crowd to respond to that. But then he started getting increasingly more sexual with it. And eventually he was, he just like, <laughs> like had his microphone, he set his guitar down and he literally had his hand down the front of his pants. And he was just oh like, uh. and the whole crowd was like doing it right back to him. <laughs> And, it, and I was just thinking, like, these people will fucking do anything he wants them to. Yeah. Like, anything. You know? Is Did they start the show with Bohemian Rhapsody? Because they do that to hype you up. And 1,200 people singing it completely in tune. It's kind of amazing. You know, I fucking don't, I don't remember if they did that, but I know that they closed with We Are the Champions. Wow. Yeah, they didn't do that for yeah. mine. That's, That's a awesome. baller-ass move right there. Big-time baller move. Yeah. I, um... Mike Dern might be one of my favorite bass players too. Cause he like, and it's not, it's not because he's an amazing bass player, but I love his bass lines and they really stand out on this. Especially when you think about Longview, I fucking love the bass line in <laughs> so Longview. Good. It's so you know the story? No, I have no clue what the backstory is. Apparently the first show they ever played was in Longview, Oregon. And they were just, you know, uh, he was on acid <laughs> hanging out dun, 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 dun. and he's like dude dude you're gonna love this and suddenly it's long view that's beautiful wow i love that <laughs> and that's the song they pull people on stage to sing yeah it's everyone a- knows the words to that well <laughs> and everybody knows the words to basket case and everybody knows the words to um when i come around i mean there's uh-huh. listen this fuck this album this album rips across the board I love Welcome to Paradise. I Me love too. Basket Case. I love, like, how many punk bands do you get almost a jam-like transition the way that you get from Chump into Longview? Yeah, and you know... I mean, that's literally, yeah. like, that's like the jam nomenclature, right? And Where speaking it's like of that, the so, carrot. So one thing I wrote down on that section, you're going to get a kick out of this. I was like, I love the, the drum and bass breakdown from Trey and Mike. And I was like, usually when Mike and I talk about Trey and Mike, we're not talking about Green Day. No, not at <laughs> all. Know? We're normally talking about fish. <laughs> but it's so funny. Just same same names. Absolutely. And um, can we talk for a second about how there used to be a hidden track back in the day of CDs? And now yes. there's not, depending on how you listen to yeah, it. Yeah, those right? don't exist anymore. Yeah, exactly. Just in general. Bad. I remember that was like such a huge deal. That was like, a 90s oh, it's thing. Over. Skip. 
Yeah, yeah, no, that was a 90s thing. Either the hidden track that doesn't appear or right. like the blank tracks that spool up to some crazy number. Like Tool, right. Undertow, like Disgustipated yeah. was technically track 69, yep. you know, because it would spool all the way up. A bunch and of one second tracks or something before Exactly. That. Yeah. But this yeah. one is, this one is all by myself. And it's funny because they, no they listed. <laughs> It's Trey. It's Trey singing. Yeah, it is. And it's like his only like vocals. Laughing in the background. Yes, but I, but I do love that. And actually, one of my favorite songs. I, I actually put three stars next to FOD because that fucking song is a lot of fun. Yeah, and it starts out I acoustic. I know. In the car. What was that? I was like yelling that in the car. Yes. I had a bad. I had a bad week last week, and uh, no, I but was like, really, I was like. Mm. Yeah, that's the jam, right? <laughs> and that's like, I love the build on that. Like, I love how it does start off yes. acoustic. And then by the time that you get to the end of it, you're just like, yeah, just fuck off. Like, fuck <laughs> off and die. It's yeah. so good. Totally. Okay, so now, um, did so I already had this on digital. I'm assuming that you did too. Um, yeah, I mean, it, it's one I've been listening to for years. And I, I haven't revisited it in probably five, six years, like at all. So it was really fun to, to fun go back to. Go to. Back to. Yeah. yeah. Same with me. Probably a lot longer than five or six years for me. I mean, it's probably been over a decade since I, since I sat down and put this disc on. So it was yeah. a lot of fun to go back to. Um, would you look for this on vinyl? Sure. Yeah. I mean, even just for the collection. Um, I'm not going to like jump out and try to seek it out or anything, but if, if I saw it, I'd buy it for if sure. It, yeah. If, like if it popped up, I'd probably do the same. Yeah. Cause I really do. I really do love this. Like there's so she fucking come on. Like she is so good. Like that to so me is good. kind of a sleeper track on this. On I this agree. Record. I gave that one five stars. Honestly, there were like they three songs that, that I gave one. five stars. Yeah. They still, do you say they still play she a lot in their live well, act? Yeah. And I mean, honestly, like obviously most of us don't listen to albums and album format anymore. We haven't in years, but oh, shame I, on you! I, I know, now. and I miss shame it. Like sometimes I'll, I'll get a, you know, I'll get a wild hair and I'll do it. I will, <laughs> but um, this one, like they play almost every show I've been to, they played Longview, mm-hmm. they played Basket Case, they played She and more than one of them. They played even like um, God, it was like one of the first ones they were playing a show in Berkeley and they were just so blown away that they wrote everything there. So they had a bunch of Berkeley songs like, um, God, I can't remember now, of course, but that's they, awesome. Though. And then the cover, the album cover is so good. Yeah, it is. The cover art on that album yeah. is really good. That, yeah. that alone might make it worth having the vinyl just so that way you can see like a blown exactly. up version of the yeah. cover art. It's like, where's Waldo pretty much. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. I'm like looking at it right now. <laughs> Yeah. But no, I this one's good, but I haven't listened to the whole thing at once in a while. And so thank you for having me do that. Absolutely. Thanks for doing it. Well, and for the record, I completely understand what you're saying. And I agree. Like most most musical consumption these days happens in you know, it's almost like a throwback to the fifties, right? With forty fives, because that's really how I think most people consume music. Full but circle. Oh yeah. I am like I am such an asshole when it comes to that. That like Lee Stamper and I have had multiple conversations about this where Lee doesn't even necessarily like taking road trips with me because if I put on a record, like I'm gonna listen to the whole record and if people start skipping around on records, it really like it just 
That's like, it's almost like nails on a chalkboard to me when people are like, <laughs> oh, like, let's just skip forward to track five. I'm like, no, how about we don't? And if you don't like the first four tracks on this record, maybe we shouldn't fucking listen to this record. Maybe this record sucks. <laughs> maybe yeah. this record sucks and you just need to find something better to listen to. Just because you like one song on it doesn't mean... <laughs> But well, what about the day I was a big mixtape junkie? So I was, I think it was just too cheap to ever buy anything, and so I would make all these mix CDs or mixtapes. And now I'm like, well, why isn't like I had this one? Ta- this is my early days. Why I put Lori Morgan except for Monday followed by Unbelievable by MFs? A terrible <laughs> transition. Yeah, that's kind of like it has to come next now. You know what I mean? Yes. Like, and, and just and then the album same thing like if you're used to like um american idiot they flow together you absolutely. really cannot and yeah. should not break that up but Agreed. especially with a concept album like american idiot like you really shouldn't fuck with a concept yeah. album and even when i right. saw them live on that tour they played a good portion of that in a row like in not row. all of it not all of it but yeah. a lot of it they played yeah. in a row well and yeah. jen to be fair listen mixtapes <laughs> i get it because I made mixtapes, like I made mixtapes when I was younger too, and there is a right. certain beauty to that. And to that effect, I do playlists, right? Like I will True. make a playlist. Yeah, but I've I've really come around to this, like call it what you will, but I view I view music as an art. Like it's yeah. very much an art to me. And if I go to an art museum, I don't ever look at like the bottom corner of a fucking Picasso. And that's kind of the way that I view chopping up records, right? Because if a musician is an artist, which I believe that they are, Uh a record is their, that's their work of art, you know? And Uh and it can be a work of art that I don't particularly appreciate or enjoy. And that's fine. I, I just won't listen to it as much. But if, you know, if there's three or four pieces of that, that I, that I, that I love and that I enjoy, I'm going to try and look at the entire piece. I'm not just going to look at the sections that are most appealing to me. If that makes sense. If the analogy holds true, you know, well, it does. And then you're going to get this and I'm going to admit it was probably new kids on the block, but I was like so loyal to the, the artist and the cassette that I'd have to listen to the whole thing. And I would not fast forward ever. Cause I feel like, well, a, it was a pain in the ass to fast forward. Yeah. But Cassettes B, and fast forwarding sucked. Yeah, but it was like I felt guilty, like that yeah. I wasn't appreciating their art. And so I totally get where you're coming from. Amen. Amen. Should we move yeah. on? Let's do it. All right. That's on you. 374. Robert Johnson, King of the Delta Blues Singers from 1961. You want to know how real the blues can get? Quote from Keith Richards. Well, this is it. The blues man in question was Robert Johnson, who lived from 1911 to 1938 in the Mississippi Delta, and whose guitar prowess was so great it inspired stories he had sold his soul to the devil. This 1961 reissue of Johnson's original 78s was a life changer for 60s rockers like Richards and Eric Clapton. The moaning lust of terraplane blues and the haunted desperation of hellhound on my trail haven't aged a minute. Okay. Had you spent any time listening to Robert Johnson before this? Yeah. Yeah, I have. Um, I'm I'm not, listen, I haven't listened to a ton of Robert Johnson, but um, we've talked before in the past about Charlie Shivers. Um, Like really, really near and dear friend. Um, He was a guitar player. He was a singer passed away and going on like 
I don't know, going on four or five years ago now. Um, literally one of my, like one of the greatest people that I ever met. He actually had a tattoo of Robert Johnson on his leg because he loved Robert Johnson so much. Wow. He was really into the blues, was really into Robert Johnson. And so I tried multiple times with Robert Johnson because I knew like how big of an influence he was for my friend for Charlie. Charlie. And, um, and on listening to this, I, I get it, but it's really hard if for no other reason just because of, you know, most of these recordings were done, I believe, in 1937 and 1938. The sound quality is not the greatest, and I wish that I could have seen him, right? Because he sounds like a guy that if you were there and if you could have seen him, it probably would have been more impactful. But at the same time, I'll say this, like, there are so many riffs on this record that I heard and I was like, oh shit, that's from this song or that's from this song or that's from this song. And so I kind of get why all these quotes from Keith Richards and Eric Clapton, you know, are giving Robert Johnson such high praise, but it's not, it's not the easiest thing for me to listen to. Riffs and lyrics, you know, the, like there, there really? are so many. Yeah. I mean, did you pick up on lyrics that were, and I'm going to get back to what you said, but, yeah. uh, Traveling Riverside Blues. Did you write anything down? No, no, I didn't write anything down lyrics wise. Okay, I didn't. Well, that's where the Lemon Song came from. The Led Zeppelin like from Zeppelin. Zeppelin? Yeah, yeah. The the lyrics he sings yes. that over and over again. Squeeze my lemon until the juice runs down my leg. Is is all in? <laughs> Jesus. It's in Traveling Riverside Blues, and then he reprises that lyric again, and I think in Hellhound on My Trail, or one of the later ones. But yeah. Um, there's that. And then there's, if I have possession over judgment day, I mean, th there's a lot of these tunes that were, that were recovered, you know, just endless amounts of times. And there was and the reason I'm kind of, there's another lyric that I'm trying to find that I wrote down, but I, Oh, uh, last fair deal gone down. That's a Jerry Garcia song. That's the chorus of the song Loser. Last loser. fair deal yeah. gone down. I mean, it's the same exact thing. So, like you said, riffs, you the know, riffs endless were, riffs that are birthed from this. Yeah. Kind of music. And the riffs to me, like there were at least four or five riffs that I, that I recognized. But again, even that, like, do you find yourself working to hear that? I, I had kind of a mic experience where I just didn't love it. You know, I kind of, and, and I didn't have a lot of time to just sit and listen. You know, I mostly had it on background, but, it's just the style and I, I don't know. And so I wasn't listening to the lyrics and now I feel like I should probably go back and listen, but I was mostly <laughs> just wanting it to be over. <laughs> be well, that's fair. I mean, music has certainly come a long way since, since this guy, but yeah. I mean, in my opinion, no, sitting in the bayou, right? Like, can you imagine like sitting in the bayou and you got your beer and the, 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 the moss? I don't know. I think that would be cool. <laughs> right? Yeah. Yeah. I, and, and again, it wasn't, um, it's not unenjoyable for me, right? Because again, this isn't the first time that I've done Robert Johnson. So I knew what I was getting okay. into whenever, you know, whenever I started listening to it, 
you know, okay. and it wasn't unfamiliar to me either because the other, the record that I had listened to, and I probably listened to it twice, was the complete recordings of Robert Johnson. Which I think a lot of these are from that one, right? Yes. Like, yeah. obviously, everyone, because uh, that record is every recording. Like, there's 33 only, right? Exactly. Yeah. And so, and so. That's that, all he made was 33 songs? Well, there's, like, only 33 recordings that, that, that can be found. That of can him. be found of him. He's, like, pretty elusive and, and mysterious. In fact, they were like putting together a concert in like nineteen late nineteen forties or something. I, I was reading; I should have written down some more details about this, but someone found this music because he didn't get discovered until way after he died. Way after he died, and people were like, "Who's this guy? Oh. This guy is incredible. We need to get him for this concert we're putting together." Yeah. And they like so had this whole situation. All this stuff. Well, he record like I mean, he recorded it. Right. And, and, and huh. I don't know if he had all of the money himself to record it, but there were basically two sessions. Yeah. yeah. Like he recorded some of this in, I want to say the spring of 1937. And then he recorded the rest of it in like a year later in the spring of 1938 in two different studios. Um, and so when, when all these recordings were discovered though, then everybody tried to go back and figure out, who is this guy? Where did he yeah. come from? And that's when you start to get into this really kind of wacky mythology because there's not, hmm. there's not a lot of good records about him in general. And it's mostly just anecdotal stuff. And, and a lot of the anecdotes, you know, that's where you get into this, you know, did he make a deal with the devil? Because yeah. he but, was, I mean, he, and like, where did this Mississippi guy get any access to do any of this in the third you know what i mean well, he most likely he just went to like he, he probably just went to like a little store like a little like a little record like uh, a record company yeah and they just kind of recorded him on the spot you know yeah. like um, what state you know what i mean like yeah. it was a different place back then for sure i i wish now i want to go learn all about him yeah and since <laughs> well, you, you mentioned volumes <laughs> written about him actually <laughs> Since you mentioned that he's 27, you know, we should be remiss not to talk about 27 Club. The 27 Club. He's like considered the original right. or one of, uh, they've since like added way earlier people to it, but he was like he was kind of, of the, the spawn OGs. of the 27 Club. Yeah. Do we know. have another one tonight? Yeah, we do have another one tonight. Yep. Wow. Uh, She's coming up. Oh fuck! Oh, yeah. I'm sorry. I I thought I literally thought that you guys were talking about a 27 year old that fucking died tonight, and I was like, wait a minute, who the fuck died? No, like, another what are member you talking of the about? 27 Club tonight. Yeah, yeah, and actually, yeah. Oh like, man, let's, let's table that. Because... But yeah, you were talking about the mythology. There's this whole story yeah. about him because um, he just kind of disappeared for a year. Like, yeah. there's this whole story about him, and he was he was he was pretty mediocre. He disappears for a year. He comes back. He's the best guitar player and anyone's seen in Mississippi. Exactly. And th that's where the, the kind of stories came up, the, the whole Faustian myth thing about him selling his soul to the devil. Yeah. That's what the Crossroads song is about. You know, it went down to the crossroads. And, and yeah, he sold his soul to the devil in exchange for his guitar prowess. For his is guitar the, prowess. Is the myth, at he least. He recorded in San Antonio. FYI. Okay. Interesting. Well, but that was one, right? Unknown causes. Yeah. Yeah. No one knows what happened. Nobody to him. knows what happened to him. I mean, right. honestly, the idea that we know exactly how old he was whenever he died is kind of right. a fucking joke in and of itself because it's not like oh. birth records were all that fantastic back in 1911 or 1938 for that matter. But that kind of messes up the 27 club thing, dude. So I know. So we're not going to go there. Yeah. yeah. We'll just, we'll just table that again. <laughs> um, but tell me, okay. So I get where you're coming from. Do you, I mean, 
Are you okay with me being shitty about just the nature of these recordings in general? Well, given your stance on lo-fi. <laughs> I no, hate lo -fi I know you do. But uh I mean there's certainly not great recordings and you know, like I said, music has definitely come a long way. Like there's a lot more that, that has been done with even with just within the genre of blues, you know, in the you know, seventy years since this came out. And I do like the music, okay, I will say that. But this is one of those Don't records. And, and one of those, <laughs> yeah, but uh, like the argument that I've talked about a lot is the, is the style or is the content versus impact thing. And just purely based on impact, it's impossible to overstate, you know, the impact that this has had on music in general. Do you okay. think it's, do you, whoa, oh shit, man, we got to revisit, we have to revisit where Dookie falls on the list. So yeah, I was going to say a, we didn't talk yeah, about that Yeah, let's put a pin in that because we got to circle back around to that, especially given the nature of the, where this conversation is heading. Yeah. So, um, I listen, I want to see this on the list because of historical reasons. Um, I can be shitty about some of the guitar work that he does as being, like some of it is repetitive to me, right? Like his style is unique and his style carries, it carries, it carries forward again and again um, throughout all of his songs. I don't hate it though. Like, and, and I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it relative to what he was doing. It's just like, I thought the same thing about Helen Wolf though, you know, yeah. and all of these, all of these like, and muddy old, waters and muddy waters, all these old school blues men, they, they, they're blues men. Yeah. Right? So all yeah. blues songs have the same structure. They begin to feel similar in nature after you're listening to 15 or 18 of these songs. Yes. And See, so, a little less, just a little less. Yeah. <laughs> but I mean, but I mean, listen, it's a, you know, it's a knock that I think is easy to, it's a knock that's easy to lay on older music from a modern perspective. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I understand that I'm biased because of that modern perspective, but I don't, I don't hate you for that at all. And I think we've both made it clear <clears throat> that neither you or me are like the biggest blues fans, you know, in general. I mean, um, I listen, I dig them. It's fun. Yeah. But, but it's not my go-to. Yeah. And right? one thing that I wrote down was to me, when you're listening to all these songs together, eventually they're not even like separate songs. It's just like a living, breathing entity, <laughs> you know, that is all like, it takes on various forms and shapes throughout, but it's all just the blues. Yeah. You know, so is there a difference with soul and blues? Yeah. Huge difference. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Soul has a different level of complexity to it that the blues don't necessarily have. And I think that that boils more down to song structure, right? Because you can Big get time. all types of varieties of soul music when you yeah. think about song structure. Um, can you have elements of the blues in the soul? I think yes. so, right? I think you can absolutely, absolutely have elements of soul. And I think that you can have elements of soul and blues, you know, but I think that soul kind of was birthed from the blues or, or after, you know, as from a combination of, of the blues and other various, you know, components. The blues is kind of like jazz, right? Yeah. In that it's, it's a, I mean, a little it's more a, structure. Yeah, well, listen, uh, yeah. And even when jazz first started out, right, jazz jazz didn't completely lose its structure, I would argue, until the late 50s um, through, like, the late 60s. That's when jazz really just started to 
explore all types of wild improvisational tropes, you know? So, mm-hmm. so up until that point in time, jazz had a very, not a rigid structure, but it was, it was a structured music and blues is the epitome of structure, you know, because most blues, most blues songs follow <clears throat> almost all the same almost, chord progression. Yeah. yeah. That's kind of what's right. I mean, yeah. Yeah. And like, you know, there's like, there's three chords basically in every single blues song. And that's, it's like a rule that they've, they all kind of follow this 12 bar blues pattern. That's right. You know, and that's, that's kind of where it gets a little boring because they're all exactly the same. Like yeah. every song, you just basically put different lyrics to it. And someone who really hates or really loves the blues is going to shit all over me for what I'm saying right now. <laughs> but, but I mean, it's all the same. It's with just with different flavors. You know? Yeah. It's different flavors using different chords. But at the end of the day, like it's the same, it's the same structure. And you get that here, right? Which is, which is why, you know, I use the word, I used the word repetition earlier and Uh I mean, it is, it's, it's just, it's, yeah, it's the same thing. But can I real quick, two seconds, go back to the green day. So if you have not seen Paco Bell's rant on YouTube, all you listeners Google immediately Paco Bell's rant and it's talking about chord progression and it's that then it's the same four chords. Mm. Do you have the time to listen? It's like the same four and no matter what, like music can only be so creative, right? Yeah. I mean, you can only put the same 12 notes in so many different combinations. That's one of my favorite. That's one of my favorite lines from any movie of all time is um, the most recent iteration of A Star is Born with Lady Gaga and Bradley Cooper. Okay. Um, there's this really wonderful line at the end of that after Bradley Cooper's character um, has died that Sam Elliott is talking to Lady Gaga's character and he says something to the effect of like, um, you know, there's only 12 notes in music, but he loved the way that you put together those 12 notes. He loved the way that you put together those you, 12 yeah. notes more than anybody else on the planet, basically. Yeah. And it's but literally not like, how much you have is what you do with it. Yeah. Basically. Exactly. Basically. <laughs> um, okay. But let's listen, let's talk about where does this album belong on the list? Because now we're talking about content versus impact. This is clearly an impact record. Yeah. Right. Because let's talk about this one and then let's everything. go back and address that same question with Green Day. Absolutely. Absolutely. So on this, we're coming in. What the hell are we at? 374? Yeah. Yeah. So we're coming in at 374. Hugely influential. Probably one of the most influential artists of all time when you think about modern rock and roll. So... You know, when it comes down to it, I'm not the biggest fan of the content, Mm -hmm. but from a historical standpoint, um, I get it being here and, and I'm okay with it. You know, if it fell by 25 spots and it was closer to 400, I would probably be a little bit happier just to move up some of those names that are closer to that 400 spot. Sure. Give them a little bit more love, but still, you know, leave Robert Johnson on here and still recognize what he did for music. What do you think? I mean, you're a guitar player for God's sakes. (sighs) <sighs> so I would argue that maybe he is the most influential artist that we've had so far on the list at this point. Um, and maybe that we will have like, we'll just have to see yes. what, what else comes up. If, he, if you're asking me, I'd move it up 50 to a hundred slots. Wow. From okay. where it is now. That's fair. And again, it's not even because 
of the content. It's because of the impact. I like the content, but it's not my favorite thing ever. But yeah. just purely based on the impact of it, that's where I would probably put it. See, I mean, content-wise, I would prefer Howlin' Wolf. I, loved, I probably would too. Yeah, I loved Howlin' Wolf from a content standpoint, but I understand where you're coming from, and I agree. I just, I guess, I would rather see content rewarded first so. before historical relevance. I get that too. For me, what do you think, Jen? What do you think, Jen? I haven't rated anything else yet, but I would probably put it a little lower. However, I can say that I'm now inspired to learn a little more about him. <clears throat> nice. Okay. Yeah. So with that being said, now let's circle back around to the same question on Green Day. Where do, do you think that it's at, at an appropriate place on the list? Would you move it up? Do you move it down? Or do you like where it's at in the pantheon of the... Fa I mean, we're talking about the greatest 500 albums of all time. Right. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So, Jen, start with you. What do you think? I mean, I think it's probably good where it is. You know, it's not their best album either. You know, it's groundbreaking, to your point. It's groundbreaking punk. It really kicked off punk. And I think it's okay there. I'm with you. I think yeah. it's in a good spot. I do too. I yeah. do too, actually. I mean, I love the fact that it, that it, I mean, to me, this really birthed pop punk. Yeah. You know, because I don't think pop punk really existed. Yeah. Because I was thinking about that. Like, who, right. who could you argue? Black Flag was definitely pop. Pop punk, totally. <laughs> yeah. And, Black Rance, Flag. and Rancid was the other side. There was that whole thing, right? Billy Joe and, and, um, yeah, and homeboys. I forgot his name. Yeah, homeboy yeah. from Rancid. And then they split, right? Yeah. And at one point they were toying with the idea, and Rancid went a totally dropkick Murphy style, in my opinion, where it's very like the same over and over. That's funny. Do you think we see? Do we get Rancid? We, we don't get Rancid on this list, right? I would have thought There's we, we no would way. have seen it by now. Really? Like, if, if you well, no, I mean, like, yeah, I don't, I don't think we will get it because I think that we probably would have seen it by now. We would have seen it if it was going to be on the list. We would have seen it already. Yeah, because I. Think what you're saying. If you said at the beginning before we even started, you said we were going to see Rancid, I would have believed it, but I would have expected it to be in the bottom hundred. You know. Yeah. He's just so yelly. Yeah, like his and voice sounds like it always must hurt. <laughs> you know what's crazy though is that we did see like speaking of yelly, like we saw Husker do. And we saw That's true, Black man. Flag. Yeah. And we, yeah, Husker Du yeah. was like 82 or 83 on New Day Rising. Uh -huh. Yeah. Um, and then we also saw uh, damage from Black Flag. And it's weird to think that Outcome the Wolves doesn't replace one of those. Does that make sense? That's the Rancid album, right? Yeah. Is that the one with Maxwell Murder? Uh, I don't know. You would put that the reason one? I know that that was their dad's favorite song. It was his step up to bat in softball. <laughs> <laughs> I just, it's just a bunch of yelling. <laughs> I listen. I don't know. I don't know that I would replace it. What I can say is that I can say very definitively that I would replace Black Flag with a fuck ton of albums. And I know that you loved Black Flag. I did love that one. You loved it a lot. I'm surprised that you say that because I, I would have thought you would have said that you would have replaced Husker Du with all, any number of albums. I would have replaced them both. Just both of them? Yeah. With, I mean, literally pick any snub that we've already done, including um, that really early Flaming Lips album. Yeah, I would <laughs> like replace them. Yeah. Yeah, I would have replaced either one of them, but but especially like Soft Bullets and Yoshimi Battles of the Pink Robots. 
fucking any tool album i would absolutely replace either Husker one of those Dale, with yeah. any tool album i loved black flag though so i know you fun. did i know you did you fucking still love that one bastard <laughs> all right okay can so- i throw out one oakland reference before we move on yeah do it and you guys might have heard from him about him have you heard of the fabulous negrito no, I have not heard of the He's fabulous local Negrito. Oakland and he does like soul and blues and, and I can't explain it, but it is so good. Mm-hmm. Fabulous Negrito. He's Oakland native. All Check right. Onto the list. Moving on. <laughs> um, okay. So yes, let's do, let's do move on because I think that, I think that we're all in line with, with green day being okay where it's at yeah um and then robert johnson we can debate but let's do read rex's thoughts real quick oh fuck thank you yeah i'll read green day you read you read robert johnson go okay so here's rex todd on dookie oh yes the music of my teenage years this album came onto the scene at the perfect time a shot in the arm that music needed pop punk at its finest in parentheses i don't want to call it pop punk but it's too late and i don't know what else to call it I've probably listened to this album a thousand times in my life. This album is just good memories. The wonderful wind down from the track Chump that leads into Longview. Amen, brother. The bass work on this album just made me want to become a bassist. Catchy three note chords that are just head bobbing. And you'll catch yourself remembering lyrics that you probably haven't sang in 27 goddamn years. (laughs) Jesus Christ, I just bummed myself out. Add this album and get the vinyl. Apparently, I need to go take some Lipitor. <laughs> Fuck, I feel old now. <laughs> oh, Rexy babies. All right, so after that, Rex talked about Robert Johnson, King of the Delta Blues Singers. He says, the legendary Delta Blues singer, songwriter, and performer that made the deal with the devil. I tried that once, and all I got was a pen. Trust me when I say that I've been dead inside for a while. <laughs> Rex. Um, it's not so bad when you can't feel anything. It's kind of nice. <laughs> Anywho, impossible to think that the world has only 27 or 29 known recordings from this man, and it's an absolute shame. The guitar work is incendiary at times. This record is just a time capsule of Delta Blues. Amazing album, um, and I don't throw that word out too often. So Rex loved it. Rex loved it, and I love that too. Yeah. All right. We won't forget you, Rex, um, for the rest of the show, but... I do. Listen, I want to jump into this because we've already spent so much time. Thank you, Jen, for dedicating so much time to us. But, um, let's talk 373 from 1969. Hot buttered soul from Isaac Hayes. Rolling Stone says Isaac Hayes demanded Stax Records give him complete artistic control for this for his second album. What happened next sounded like nothing else in music at the time. An orchestral soul watershed that foreshed R&Bs toward turn towards symphonic excess and plush introspect. Hayes' 12-minute Southern psychedelic version of the Burt Bacharach Hal David Walk On By and his spectacularly tortured 18-minute <laughs> take on Jimmy Webb's By the Time I Get to Phoenix took easy listening tunes and refashioned them into in his own radically laid-back image. This is a record that I don't even remember when I got turned on to this. It probably would have been in... Fuck, either the late 90s or early 2000s. I don't even remember who told me to listen to this record, but I remember the first time I heard it, and I was just so blown away. And this was a record that I was, man, I was balls deep into this record for so long. And then it kind of disappeared from my musical lexicon. And so when it came back up on the list, like this was like, it was like putting on, 
a pair of sweatpants that are like your favorite sweatpants on the planet, but you fucking lost them. And then you rediscover them and they're every bit as comfortable as they ever were. I feel like I saw this happen too. Cause I think I was with you when we were reading to the list and you were like, Isaac Hayes, hot butter sold. And you were like, Oh man, I I saw your eyes light up. Yes, dude. (laughs) I love, love, love this record. Yeah. So So I had for the hunch maybe, cause you said late nineties and there, that was kind of, like I had downloaded a bunch of stuff like Isaac Hayes um, and it was in a movie. I think there was a movie that had a really great soundtrack and I feel like that's where I learned that song, <laughs> the walk on by song. Yes. It was in this movie. Possibly. I don't like, I would love to see if a movie took that song because that song, I mean, could probably find that I mean it has, but they did not take that entirely long version. Obviously yeah. it was a shorter version. And then, and there's just that one note he hits and it bothers me every time. It's like, it's like when he's like, I want to walk on by. It's like, I don't know. It comes out of tune and I just, really? every time, man, I don't uh, know. It's one note to me. It rubs uh, me the wrong way, but mm. something about buttered and I want to have a hot buttered rum and <laughs> it just sounds really, you know. For me, this record is, it's a, it's a baby of psychedelia that was so prevalent in 1968, 1969 and soul music. Mm-hmm. And it is the most spectacularly wonderful combination for my ears. Like, and the mm-hmm. fuzz guitar that you get on walk on by, and it stays around for hyperbolic syllabic sesquidella, sesquidella mystic, which like, fuck off like reading that song you almost got all the way through it dude i know i almost got all the way through it on the first take um dead presidents 1996 oh fuck really oh tell me that you've seen that movie right now no haven't seen it you son of a bitch (laughs) (laughs) hughes brothers god dude that movie is dead presidents is fucking dark and wonderful yeah and okay. the soundtrack is badass. Banging. It's fucking sweet. Banging. Yeah. Put it on the list. And that's where I learned this song. Wow. I man, Jen Stout, thank you. I'm gonna dude, I wanna go back and watch Dead Presidents now because that movie really does <laughs> fucking rip. And now I wanna figure out where they played this song. I wonder yeah, if this was keep in on pushing, they had Curtis Mayhall, they had um Never Gonna Give You Up. Mm. I got the feeling, you know, James Brown. Yeah. I mean, man. This is a hell of a soundtrack. That movie is uh-huh. really cool too. It's Say about it loud and black and I'm proud. I mean, yeah. So it's about everyone Vietnam. put it on your love train. It's yeah. on our list. <laughs> it's about Vietnam vets that come back from the war and like they're pretty fucked up. Like some of them are junkies, some of them are not, and they basically decide that they need to pull a bank heist. Um, mm-hmm. to logical them. yeah well makes sense i mean it makes sense within the context of the movie but <laughs> but it's fucking it, dude it's i mean it's really really good it's a so really good. really, really great movie yeah i'm gonna watch it by the we Hughes all brothers. have our weekend plans now. i know yes <laughs> <laughs> mother's day 2021 <laughs> dead presidents hey, mom, mom we're watching dead presidents <laughs> <laughs> i love it whether you like it or not yeah <laughs> listen so so did either one of you have exposure to this and jen you just said that you recognize walk on by but had you ever listened yeah. to this record before i had not and i love the second song with like all the words yes um, and that was pretty <laughs> awesome. But that last one, that super rambling, the chord 
that was playing while he's telling the story and it was just one chord and mm-hmm. it made me so anxious and i'm like please yeah. put this to an end yeah. and i get it like i think that's what he's going for that's is a very it, sad that's horrible right. story but i'm like that's right. Ugh. it's like 12 minutes of that and it, the bass line is yeah. just like super slow it's like boom Bum, bum, <laughs> bum, for like right. forever you know oh my gosh look at that mike this is gizmo he just came home yesterday and now he's on the internet holy cow <laughs> hello gizmo's, gizmo gizmo's gonna be famous i know gizmo's almost as famous as my hairless cat's butthole yeah which is clearly been, <laughs> hard to top <laughs> clearly been on the internet multiple times now yeah, yeah. I don't know why. And that's not just in this yeah. podcast. And we haven't even talked yeah. about OnlyLee.com, which clearly like- it Hasn't post, come up yet. Yeah, yeah. Poster Nutbag is destined to be on OnlyLee.com. Eventually, yeah. I mean, my dog Marley, I think Lee and Marley did a collab recently. <laughs> yeah. So, <laughs> on OnlyLee.com. <laughs> I all said right. no rodents, nothing with, no. Yeah. No. Listen, you did all right. You did all right. Lizards are good. So- um, Okay, so yeah. No, but I dug it. I dug it. You know, that song is like, God, get, you know, it was a very long story. And it was. again, it made me uncomfortable, but I think that was on purpose. But yeah. the rest of it, I dug it. I put it on Fred and at dinner party the other night. Yeah. Mm-hmm. About so 10 minutes it. in, I was like, it would be so fucking funny if he just talked about this song the whole time. And then he was like, and here it is. And then the song just ended. You know? <laughs> <laughs> he never sang it. <laughs> Well, the crazy part, the crazy part is that like, if you listen to the Glenn Campbell version of that song, or if you listen to the Jimmy Webb version of that song, I mean, this is, it's like a two minute song, right? (laughs) That like, that Isaac was just like, I really want to cover this song, but fuck all y'all. Like, I'm going to tell you why these lyrics exist <laughs> you know what i mean and, it, it's, and like he a, does it's like that. a recipe on the internet i don't want to tell you why or where it came from or where you bought the butter just yes. give me the recipe yeah, i don't need your fucking life story just tell me the recipe exactly <laughs> you know thank you isaac and your voice is very sexy but i do I love how he kind of like says the same thing in multiple different ways like at the very beginning he's like this, this is a deep song there's a deep meaning to this song. A lot of depth to this song. <laughs> you know, it's like, so I'm not getting the depth. Yeah. <laughs> All right. I don't know. I suppose if there was like foreplay in, in like, that's the whole point of his music, right? It's supposed to be super sexy. Well, I mean, I don't know. I don't You're like, this, we do I, not start until we get to the happy part of the song. So 12 minutes, that's some pretty good foreplay. Maybe that was his I, whole plan. I don't know. I don't think there's a lot of fucking to Isaac Hayes. I mean, there might be a lot of fucking Isaac Hayes, but probably not with this song. Although I will probably say reading the, reading the lyrics though to hyperbolic syllab syllabus <laughs> mystic. Did you read those lyrics? No, not like uh-uh. not written. Oh man. Okay, so that's definitely a fucking song. Because at one point in time he talks about um how her phalange her about how her phalanges are working on his basically working on his member. Yeah, yeah, there you go. And I also love the line where he talks about my um my medulla. Oblongada. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I remember that one. It's completely non sequitur and just um, really kind of, really kind of fucked up. There were some but, hilarious lyrics in that, like my, my gastronomical stupidity. Exactly. 
Exactly. What does that even mean? You and know? it was shortly after that that he started talking about the phalanges. Yeah. Which, you know, <laughs> phalanges are fingers, right? So, MD telling me my heart's on strike. Yes. <laughs> I love that one. Um, so, listen, that could be a fucking song. But Walk On By is not, dude. Like, Walk On By is, it's almost heartbreaking, you yeah, know? And you it get that really in the sad. tone of it and just, and that's, I don't know. It, we were talking about soul earlier, right? Soul uh-huh. versus the blues. And this to me is, it's such a special, unique brand of soul because you get this insanely psychedelic feel to it with that uh-huh. fuzz guitar and the way yeah. that the guitar works with what he's doing on the clav and on the organ. And I, dude, I love it. I put five stars next to Walk On By. I put four songs next to Hyperbolic. Um, one woman was probably like my least favorite, but that's because it almost seemed so basic after we got through the first four. He has to have one basic song. Cause like I, every song on this record is like 10 minutes. And then that one is maybe four minutes. You I know, know. Yeah. I know that, that song kind of cracked me up about it. Yeah. yeah. That but song kind of cracked me up because it was like a tender ballad basically about having a side piece. Yes. <laughs> Essentially. Is that's what exactly that was. what, yeah, yeah, no, that's exactly what it was. Right. Cause he was like, God damn, I don't know what to do because I got my one woman, but then I got my side I piece got my other and woman. I just yeah. don't even know how I can only have one woman in yeah. my life. Cause that's what the whole fucking song was. <laughs> but it's like, it's just like a real tender ballad like, about it. Explain you know? why I don't like it then. <laughs> yeah. Understandable. No. And um, again, if I'm not understanding the lyrics, then of course I'm like, Ooh, this is sexy. And I'm like, Oh, it's about breaking up with someone. <laughs> I couldn't. The one thing that I, I texted Mike in the middle of the week, and I was like, "I love this, but I just I can't stop hearing Chef from South Park." <laughs> That's, I, was, I was just getting ready to go to the. Did, chef did you comment. know that, Jen? Did you, oh, I know. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, everybody I knows. Not the biggest fan of South Park. Sorry. Oh, really? And I only like a couple lines from Family Guy. Yeah. Well, that's fair. The Family Guy thing is fair. Yeah, Yeah. Family Guy sucks. But I love South South Park. Park. South Park is the greatest satirical... I think it's the greatest satire that we've seen in the last 30 years. Yeah. It is. It is. I just... It's hard. I get it. gross stuff. I don't know. No, and I get that because sometimes sometimes they do some shit where I'm just like, fuck, I can't believe they're going here. Yeah. There's no no holds barred. None. But at the same time, like that, that to me is the no holds barred approach is the prerequisite to the moniker of the greatest satire that we've seen. Seriously. Yeah. You can't hold back three decades. I agree with you. Yeah. If if you're really doing satire, you've got to, you've got to fucking go all in. There's some truly like intelligent, sophisticated satire going on in in a lot of that too. Like some of it's not, (laughs) let's be clear, but but a lot of it actually is. Yeah. Uh, But that was the thing is a lot of the time I just kind of was listening to this record. All of a sudden I was laughing. I was like, wait, why am I laughing? He didn't sing a funny lyric. (laughs) You know, it's like just that for some reason I associate his voice. His voice just cracks me up. You know, it's like, yeah, I was conditioned to just laugh when I hear Isaac Hayes' voice. (laughs) Poor chef. Yeah. But that being said, I I fucking love this. James Earl Jones got to be a badass. That's true. Yeah. At least he was an evil fucking dark Lord. Poor chef. He just got to fucking sing about chocolate salty balls. Yeah. <laughs> oh, did you guys ever see Community? 
Uh, some of it. It's, not, it's super episodes. funny, but there was this line about, you know, he was the black guy. He's like, I've gotten really good at encouraging white people. Man, that is the funniest thing. He goes, white people are super embarrassed. So you just go and encourage that white man. <laughs> it's pretty awful. We live in a really awful world. We do. Anyway. We do. Okay. I brought so it all down because, you know, it's a sad album. Where do you like? What, what do you think? Oh, what, about this one? In yeah. terms of the list? Yeah. I, I did add it to digital and I'm totally cool with it being on the list. I don't. You added it to vinyl too, you fuck. Yes, I was about to say that. I was about to say Mike was kind enough to surprise me by sending this to me on vinyl. I sent JB the vinyl because yes, I did. just I felt so compelled that JB has to own this record on vinyl that I was like, fuck it, I'll buy it for him because I'm glad he you might did. not want to buy it. <laughs> no, I, I, I'm glad you did because it needed to be in the collection. So thank yeah. you, Mike. No, you're welcome. Well, I'm Cheers. inspired to, to, to pour a hot buttered rum next winter and, and, and listen to it. Oh, you should. Dude, walk on by in hypersyllabolic like while you're drinking yeah. hot buttered rum? Come on. Yeah, see? It's money. It's money in the bank. That needs to be in the plans. What do you think about and you're the- sending me wine next time? Yes, absolutely. <laughs> the next time that you're on, I'll send you whatever a bottle of that we're drinking. <laughs> we'll, we'll, yeah. we'll have to coordinate that. But, exactly. Um, Probably California what, wine. <laughs> that's fine. Where what do you think about the placement of this thing? I mean, do you want it on the list? Yeah, I think I want it on the list, and I, you know, I think it's in a good spot, for sure. I, I mean, I, I don't want it lower for sure. You, you could, you could say it'd be a little higher, and I wouldn't be upset about that at all. But I think it's, you know, definitely no lower than this. Plus or minus ten. Yeah, sure. How yeah. about you? I'm there too. Yeah, because I listen. I really, really love this record, but especially the criticism for by the time I get to Phoenix, that shit's real, right? <laughs> I mean, that could have been. That could have been a 10 minute jam and just as impactful. Yeah. You know, um, I like that one though. That was probably my, one of my favorites. Yeah. And listen, I like it too, but you know, a story doesn't have to be, a story doesn't have to be that long for it to carry impact. It's like half the record, you know, it is. I mean, out of a 46 minute record, it's, it is 19 minutes of it, you know? So, so I understand the criticism and I'm, and I'm okay with it. But at the same time, when this record works and it works so well, fuck, it's so good, you know? And it's Uh also groundbreaking Uh in what he was doing by combining soul with psychedelia in the way that he was doing it. And that's exactly what it is. You, you kind of texted me that earlier. You said it's psychedelic soul. Yeah. And with, I was listening to that to it with that in mind and you're exactly right. That's what it is. Yeah. Yeah. And it belongs. Yeah, absolutely belongs for me too. And like I say, plus or minus 10. Um, and I'm, and I'm good with it. You know what I mean? I don't want to see this in the top two fifty because I don't necessarily think it belongs that I don't think it deserves that type of praise, but I was so thrilled to, to have this brought back in front of my face. You know, I'm because, thrilled to be introduced to it. Yeah, because without this list, I don't know that it would have been thrown back up in front of me. Yeah. Jen, what do you think? again for the vinyl. Yeah. Well, and you told me it's one of your absolute favorites. And it so, is. of course, I've always listened. <laughs> I've always taken your word to heart. Oh, thank um, you. And I did, um, I did try it both ways. I tried it the, you know... and listen while i was working yeah no so listen it that's, works in both ways it does it does no absolutely absolutely so, what did um right. what did rex todd have to say yeah and i'm gonna yes. step away while you read rex because you're up next right yeah okay right. okay so and rex I todd might have to dash as well so let's get the last rex and then i'm gonna say my goodbyes okay sounds good rex on hot buttered soul Hot buttered soul? Question mark? No. 
Hot Buttered Jams, fantastic instrumental arrangement and sounds with free-flowing guitar, organ, and brass solos with a butter sauce dripping off the amount of soul that Isaac Hayes put into this album. Four tracks and 45 minutes into this monolith of ornate, ornate melodies and tasty jams. I wasn't sure about this one, and I'm glad I was wrong. So that was what Rex had to say. Thanks, Rex, for tuning in. So you're going to take off, Jen? I do. It's 8.40. Yikes. And um, a school night. Yeah, so, totally um, understandable. Well, thank you so much for being here. really appreciate you coming on. This has been an absolute blast, and I sincerely hope you'll have me back. We would love to have you back. So, you know, look through the list and, and kind of let us know if any of the records come up. I'm not up. allowed. That's, oh, if you're playing along, then yeah, you're not allowed to. That's true. Um, <laughs> we do have some people kind of look, looking ahead and deciding which one's they want to be a part of so feel free to if you want to cheat we won't tell anybody so. <laughs> i'll plan ahead yes I'll plan ahead and i'll just tell you there's something coming up <laughs> uh-oh okay here mike's coming back let him say goodbye to you real quick i will okay mike i won't thank cheat you Jen. anymore but i will tell you that there's something here and there i that i would absolutely love to participate if you no Thank you so much. And thank you so much for sticking around. Like I know, uh, I mean, literally I'm dealing with, um, I'm, I mean, I'm dealing with the kiddo thing myself. And so, yeah, go and be a mom. And thank you so much for, for hanging out with us for as long as you did. And next time we'll, we'll try and fi- we'll, like, we'll figure out, we'll figure out a time, you know, we'll figure out a time where yeah, we'll figure out a better time. Yeah. Or we'll and fly you. Work. I'm very, uh, what's the word? Um, I don't know. Resilient. I am, but the other word, the other word, I can figure it out. Yeah. You're amiable. You're flexible. You're yeah. workable. Yes. I'll right. make it happen. I'll make right. it happen. At so that point, we'll, we'll probably display. just, at that point, we'll probably just fly you out here on the corporate account. Exactly. So, yeah, yeah. We'll just, we'll just, we'll just use all the points that we have saved up and you'll just have to come out and we'll do it all in person. It'll be fun. There you go. Well, you know, my plan, right, is that Iowa is one of the like seven states I have not seen yet. And knock it off the list. That's what I'm talking my, about. My plan is I need to, so I have, what seven more ballparks something no four i only have four left and so i want to do kansas city pop up to des moines and field of dreams yep. and then go down to st louis knock it all out there it is there you go there it is <laughs> coinciding with this list sucks <laughs> coinciding <laughs> with this list so sucks. Much. it'll be beautiful thank you jen thanks jen bye-bye bye all right so rex todd loved this right yes he did love it um let me kind of revisit his email real quick. He it was short and sweet his his thoughts on it, but he just really enjoyed the instrumental arrangements, the free flowing guitar. He said butter sauce dripping off the amount of soul that Isaac Hayes put into this album. Nice. So, yeah, he was a big fan. Awesome. He, he says he wasn't sure about it, but he's glad he was wrong. Good. So good. I'm so glad you fucking loved it, Rex. All right. Should we dive into 372, Mike? Let's do it. Let's do it. Big Brother and the Holden Company, Cheap Thrills, 1968. After Big Brother's performance at the Monterey Pop Festival made Janis Joplin a star, fans were heatedly expecting a live album from them. But their in-the-red loudness and sloppy performances meant they had to cut their second album in a New York studio with crowd noise added in later. We're just a sloppy group of street freaks, Joplin (laughs) said, but the San Francisco acid rockers were the most simpatico band she ever had especially when their raw racket backs joplin up on peace of my heart perhaps her greatest recording we should have had my dad on this week because my dad was at monterey pop festival what yeah he saw Jimi hendrix there 
And that was like the, the, the year that Jimi Hendrix burned his guitar. Yeah. My dad saw the day show. Jimi Hendrix did that at the night at show. At the night show. Yeah. So he didn't see that part. But he, he saw him play there. What the fuck, dude? How old was your dad? My dad is 64. How was he at that point? So I guess God we could do the math. Damn, yeah. dude. He was. That's ridiculous. Yeah. That's Agreed. so ridiculous, man. I did not realize that. Mm-hmm. Wow. Fucking baller. I know. So did he see Big Brother in the Holding Company? Did he see I, that set that they were just referencing? Where I'm not 100% sure. I should have asked him. I didn't, I didn't look ahead. I didn't even realize that they were referencing the Monterey Pop performance of, from Big Brother. So, Well, it's funny because when I was listening to this, you know, when you, when you listen to the record, it sounds, it kind of sounds like a live recording, right? Kind um, of, but kind of like you can kind of tell that they manufactured it at the same time. Absolutely. I mean, they did a good job of the manufacture because if you weren't paying attention, you'd be like, oh, is this live? What but was the other record that was manufactured live? I'm, you know, fuck, dude. I knew you were going to. There was one that. other fucking one. It's driving me crazy. Oh, it's, it was James Brown. Oh, yeah. Sex Machine. I feel like that was better manufactured better. Maybe. You think so? I feel like I could tell more on this one. Or maybe I'm just seasoned at this point after having listened to that. <laughs> <laughs> You're jaded. I'm an expert. Yeah. You're a jaded, jaded bullshitter. Jaded. Yeah. Um, this record I'm very familiar with. Um, I already own it on vinyl. And really? I, yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. I, I bought a vintage copy of this too, which is nice. really, really cool. Um, and yeah, I've been a huge fan of Janis Joplin, but particularly this record combination of the two is such a fucking monster. Summertime is beautiful. Peace of my heart is, you know, as they said, it might be one of her best recordings. Probably my of, favorite of hers. Yeah. Me and uh, come on, Bobby McGee. Yeah. That's good. Bobby close McGee second. is like a close second for me, but, but this recording on peace of my heart is spectacular. Um, Combination of the two, though, like I think I feel like combination of the two is so under um, underappreciated, maybe. Um, hmm. But there's, well, there's what did you like about that one? Oh, fuck, dude. I love the feel of it. Like, I love that guitar tone. I love the at the beginning. There's that fucking percussion, you know, that. Yeah. On that percussion instrument. And then when the guitar kicks in. That fucking howl that he lets out that. Yeah, yeah it's frantic. Dun, 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 dun. I just, dude, I fucking love it, man. And then when it finally breaks down into the kind of call and response between her and him, it, I, I absolutely, absolutely adore it. So the thing that I liked most about that was just kind of what you said was like the feel of it. It felt really, really good. It, it just felt like straight up 60s rock. Um, and it, it felt like it'd be super, super fucking fun to see that live. Yes. But beyond that, I, I hate to, it kind of felt like a intro, like intentionally, like, and it, it, it was kind of lacking substance to me. Like I was trying to like think what actually is this song? And like most of the time it's just like buildups. There's not a whole lot of lyrics. Most of the lyrics are like, ooh, ooh, or like, whoa, 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 whoa. whoa, whoa. And I was like, there's not really like a real discernible melody going on here. Yeah, it's there's just not. like, it's just, it, it just kind of seems like it was made for people to party to, which is cool. You know, uh, so. And that's 
if that's what it is, then I'm happy to, that that's what it is. But I was like trying to figure it out. I was like, what what even is this song? Like, is it, and is I'm it a not live intro? You. you know, I'm not disagreeing with you at all. Like to me, it feels like a crowd hyper. Yeah, that's exactly what it felt like to me. Yeah. You know, so it's like we're gonna come out, we're gonna fucking like we're gonna blast this shit from the jump, and it's just gonna be to get everybody into the mood because yeah. this it's a mood setter. Well, it works for sure, and if that's the purpose, then I'm 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 with it. You know, so <laughs> well, it definitely doesn't have any deep meaning about the nature of life. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's true. But yeah, I mean, summertime was really cool. Um. That was uh that that song's been covered so many times. I know. I know. Vibrato on that really stuck out to me. I love what she does with it though. God yeah, damn her it. Voice. I mean, I really, really love what she does with it on there. Do you love her just pretty much endlessly? Like are you are you ever not a fan of Janice? Dude, no. I mean not really. No, I mean, yeah, pretty much everything she does. Because I'm the exact same way. I mean, I'll take it. You know, and I've also met some people though who are not fans, and they say that she comes across as like abrasive and too and just too much and whatever, too much rasp. And so I was listening, and I was like, I can actually kind of understand it a little bit how you might feel that way. Not you, but someone might feel that way. Um, I don't feel that way at all. But like, just like, like I love it. I love everything she does. Dude, but she's I can raw understand because yeah. it's super raw. It's, she's raw as fuck, man. It's aggressive. You know it's, what I mean? It's aggressively raw. Yeah. But um, I think about the time that she was recording all this. I think about, I mean, come on. Like, she's a woman in rock. Yeah. Amongst, she, she's amazing, dude. Uh, I mean, amongst the, the, her foil is Grace Slick. Right, who Grace Slick is not raw, you know. Grace Slick has so much polish to her voice, like so much yeah. control in comparison in what be. she does relative. But that's why I think that we've seen Jefferson Airplane at four sixty, and, and why we're getting Janice at three seventy two. Do you think this is the only Janice? Fuck no, Pearl has to be right. Pearl has to be on this list. Has to be higher like that's kind of that was my thinking but pearl has to be on this list yeah and 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 i don't know that pearl is going to be significantly higher right so in other words if we see pearl in the next 72 i would say yeah i get that yeah because i do think that there's a lot of pushback to what she was doing because like there's a lot of people that think she's too abrasive this isn't my thing and i don't necessarily like it yeah and yeah i just wanted to bring that up because that is a viewpoint that is out there and i, I want to be clear i don't that's not me at all i it's couldn't be me. anywhere close to that but i just feel like it's it's like you said it's prevalent enough that it was worth it was worth kind of pointing out you know yeah no without a doubt so interestingly enough, did you notice that on the re-release of this, they went ahead and completely fucked up the order on this? No. Because the original order of this has Oh Sweet Mary prior to Ball and Chain. And that's, I'm ass- that's the one I listened to had Oh Sweet Mary before Ball and Chain. Okay, so Apple, fuck you, Apple. Apple went ahead and fucking reversed those orders 
Which is really fucked up because if you put Ball and Chain before Oh Sweet Mary at the end of Ball and Chain, they're basically like, all right, so stick around because uh, this weekend we're going to have some other really great acts playing at the venue. Because <laughs> it was meant to be the end of the show. And that was the end of the original LP. Like if I pull out my vinyl off that shelf, the very last track on the vinyl is Ball and Chain. And Ball and Chain was the only actual live track. Was it? I didn't think that any of them were actually. Ball and Chain is from the Winterland. That's a live recording. It is a live recording yeah. from Winterland. Okay. Um, and then the on the re-release there were there were two bonus tracks: Road Black and then Roadblock, and then Flower in the Sun. And then there were two actual live tracks that catch were like me. recorded. You catch me, Daddy. Catch What's me, the other Daddy, one? and Magic of Love. And those were both in like Michigan or something like that. Yeah. And at the end of one of those is the one where the guys like. There's a guy that's like, we have all these acts coming up next week. Did you hear that? Yes. I want to say that that was at the end of Magic of Love where he's going through almost like a who's who of shit that's coming through. And it was super cool. It was like, dude, this was recorded in 68 or whatever. I mean, the bands that he's listening to, he's like, next week we got this English band called The Who. The Who. And he's like, hopefully they're going to be good. Hopefully they'll be okay. And And he's like, like, we got got Grateful Dead coming next week. And who else did he say? There was one other big one. There was one other big one that I don't don't remember remember what it was, but yeah, it was awesome whatever it was um i and and again i don't care if you talk about the original release which ends with ball and chain or if you talk about the expanded every single song on here i gave um i mean i guess on the expanded edition i gave everything from the expanded which i'm gonna call from roadblock through magic of love i gave all those songs two stars i thought they were fantastic Everything on the OG recording, though, I mean, I gave three stars to every single thing with the exception of Peace of My Heart, which is clearly a fucking just a all-time banger and a combination of the two. Because I put four stars next to combination of the two. I really fucking love that track, dude. I put five stars next to Peace of My Heart. I did, too. Yeah. yeah. Peace of My Heart is one of my favorite, definitely one of my favorite recordings of all time. Yeah. I mean, it's just... It it's is, amazing. It's so fucking timeless. I mean, it's timeless in every way, shape, or form. And it really shows off her dynamic range, you know, Mm -hmm. from the beginning where she's just like fucking going crazy with the hold on. And then it's right to, didn't I make you feel? And she's just like so quiet. and Yeah, yeah. she just drops it down. Like she drops it. She leaves leaves all of that emotion that she's hitting in that chorus. And she's just like, no. Yeah. Like I'm actually like you were the only man. Mm. God, I love that shit, dude. But the but the um the harmony on that too, right? Like the harmony of the chorus for the <laughs> because yeah. that's where you get the male vocalist in there as well. Like that's yeah. the guitar player that's singing harmony with her, and that's the interplay that you get in combination of the two. And speaking of the male vocal, that was my only complaint against Oh Sweet Mary, <laughs> which is kind of petty, but I was like Okay, if you have Janis Joplin in your band, why would you ever have somebody else sing lead on any song ever? I mean, oh, let's be real here. On. It's Janis fucking you. Joplin. <laughs> no, I get you. I get you. But did you notice that on that song, so that's the only song on the album where the lead guitarist actually played bass on that song and the bass player or the like the traditional bass player on all the other tracks played lead guitar. I did not know that. No. Yes. Which, how, what, like, when the fuck does that happen besides how about never? Yeah. Like, the lead guitar player is like, so there was, yo, bro, I, I just, I'm going to go ahead and pick up the bass. I got to play this. the bass on this one. Yeah. 
ah. But on that one, if like if you're listening to headphones, pan to the right. There's this really quiet instrument that sounds like a sitar, and I couldn't figure out what it was. I don't know if it's a sitar. There was no sitar listed on the personnel. Yeah, there was no personnel listing of really any bizarre instrumentation. So listen back to it because I couldn't figure it out. It was like pan to the right it was really faint it was not as loud as the rest of the music but it was there for sure and it was like kept repeating the same little line it was like it was like really twangy but kind of psychedelic like a sitar all right yeah i'll go back and i'll listen to that because i am kind of curious about it because they didn't list it and normally they would list that yeah yeah, normally the liner notes or wikipedia is pretty good about listening uh, listing like any of those really bizarre instrumentations so maybe i'm crazy maybe i have a terrible ear i don't know listen to what you think obviously obviously yeah (laughs) so you're keeping it on the list fuck yeah yeah i'm probably moving it up i wouldn't be upset if this album was i wouldn't be upset if this album fell at least 25 notches higher like between 350 and 300 i would be probably a little bit happier because i really love this record yeah i'm not against that at all i don't i don't necessarily want to see it north of 300 I don't think it belongs north of 300, but man, you know, if you put this thing at 330, 340, um, I could definitely get down with that. I could see some love there for her. I think anywhere between three and 400, I'm happy to tell you the truth. Yeah. I and mean, I don't want to move down by any means. No, there's, there's no fucking way that I move it down. Yeah. There's no way that I move it down. And I really, really dig it. Can so. you read Rex's thoughts and then the next album? And I'm going to run to the restaurant and be right back. Absolutely. All right. So, Mr. Rex Todd for Cheap Thrills um, by Big Brother and the Holding Company, he says, okay, now I'm beginning to be glad I started on this musical reconnaissance with you guys. Another musician that was taken too soon from our ears and hearts, which, you know, um, we, we were talking about Robert Johnson being like the OG member of the 27 Club. Of course, JB has stepped away, but... Um, Janis Joplin was Janis Joplin was only 27 when she died as well. Um, pretty much died from complications from alcoholism. She was a big, big fan of Southern Comfort from everything that I've read. And so, yeah, absolutely. Taken too soon from Ears and Hearts. Rex goes on to say, this album is full of psychedelia and soul. Joplin's powerhouse vocals and the jam band solos just scorch this record to dust. This is an auditory ayahuasca journey full of compulsory psilocybin. Jesus, Rex Todd, killing me. This is the kind of music I wanted to hear when Nuggets appeared on this list. Fucking thank you, Rex. Um, add this to everything. Digital, CD, cassette, eight-track, vinyl, hieroglyphics, hell, put it on your kitchen cabinets. Fucking love it. Um, completely agree with him. And it's funny that, Rex, that you mentioned in your notes about Nuggets, because I agree. Like, when that, when that fucking Nuggets record came up, I, too, expected to hear something along these lines from that type of recording, but... Instead, we just got fucking nonsense. We got bullshit that I don't think belonged anywhere on this list. So thank you, Rex. Um, Banging, banging comments. And I agree with everything that you're saying there. So um, moving on, the last record that we're going to talk about this week, number 371 from 1973, the anthology um, of The Temptations. And I shouldn't even say that. This album is entitled Anthology. 
and it's a collection of songs from The Temptations originally compiled in 1973. So Rolling Stone says, Indisputably the greatest black vocal group of the modern era, The Temptations embodied Motown, channeling unique individual voices and talents into pristine hits and tight, tuxedoed choreography. This three-album set features masterpiece after masterpiece of chugging gospel-tinged soul, including My Girl, I Can't Get Next to You, and I Wish It Would Rain, and later psychedelic soul adventures like Cloud Nine and the gritty message song masterpiece ball of confusion so <clears throat> i don't disagree with what they wrote in that description what i do disagree with is this three album masterpiece features or this three album set features masterpiece after masterpiece fuck off like they go on to mention all of the songs that i agree with my girl i can't get next to you i wish it would rain ball of confusion all of those are indeed fucking masterpieces, but fuck me, dude. Like, You think maybe they listed all the masterpieces right there? Yeah. I don't, I mean, listen, when I'm just going to go down to the top of this list and I'm going to start off by saying, I love the temptations. I really do. Like when they work, fuck, they work. They work, man. They work so well. Um, the way you do the things you do, my girl, get ready. Cause here I come. I know I'm losing you, baby. Um, I wish it would rain cloud nine psychedelic shack ball of confusion. This is what the world is today. I'm going to make you love me. Just my imagination running away with me. Papa was a rolling stone. Right there. That's like a super concise. What do I have there? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven songs. Put those eleven songs together. You get everything from like classic Motown sound of the way you do the things you do, my girl. Yeah. You get the psychedelic soul of psychedelic shack, um, ball of confusion, which fucking ball of confusion is crazy fucking good. That's one of the best. It's insane. Um, cloud nine is really kind of the beginning of that, but you also get that middle ground of, I wish it would rain. Yeah. And then you're ending up in Papa was a rolling stone. Right. And just my imagination running away with me and I'm going to make you love me with the Supremes. You get everything that you could possibly want, but you would get basically like a 30-minute record where you say, God damn, the Temptations were unbelievable. Yeah. And they did so many things so well. But that but wasn't an album. No, so it you, wasn't. What we got instead was fucking two hours and I don't even know how many songs. I, did, I didn't fucking count them. I don't know if you did. 37. 37 songs of all of that, right? Because for every song that I just listed there, The Temptations did six other songs. That's the thing. And that's kind of what I talked about with Mike before the show is that this, 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 this anthology is kind of segmented. As you go through it, it's kind of broken up. The first third or more is pretty much 
straight up Motown. You know, yeah. basically you can sum up the first third of the album by saying my girl. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like my girl is definitely the best. Or just my best. imagination running away from me. Or just my imagination running away from me. Uh, but like they're all just that, you know, and that's even like please return your love to me it's a great song so i could argue that there were a couple songs that i want to hear like i really like get ready i really like ain't too hard to beg or ain't too proud to beg i like please return your love to me but the first third can be summed up effectively by my girl in my opinion and then the middle third can be summed up by some funk tune they're all pretty similar and i loved most of them because they're all super dirty funk you know but yeah probably probably ball of confusion although i'd probably add cloud nine in there as cloud well nine yeah um, cloud nine is the start of that ball of confusion is like that's where you're getting into like psychedelia yeah right? yep and then the latter half or the latter third i mean is like i don't even know what would you call it because it's it's super orchestral there's a lot of like really heavy orchestral led songs on there. Um, it's like, it's like soul, but it's not exactly the same as the first. It's not like as happy and it's joyous a, as the first third. It's a really, um, it's a very mature version of soul where they're able to selectively dip out of all of the previous um, avenues that they went down. Right, like the detours that they had taken in the past, they were able to selectively kind of pull from each one of those detours and make a really, really mature type of sound. Mature is a good way to put it. I like that because that's kind of what I was looking for was a way to describe that, and that kind of sums it up. Um, I'm Gonna Make You Love Me is kind of a little diversion from that. It's pretty much just a pop song, but it's a fantastic pop song. It is, know? and it was also recorded a lot earlier, right? This album was compiled in 1973. I'm pretty sure um, I'm Gonna Make You Love Me was from the mid-60s. So a weird placement on the record with it that is. specific song. Because realistically, that song probably, if you're gonna if you're gonna do this chronologically, that absolutely should have appeared before Cloud Nine. Probably, yeah. You know, just in terms of order. Probably somewhere before even I Wish It Would Rain. Because I Wish It Would Rain is really post-traditional um, Motown type of song, you know? Yeah. Um, and that's really where that thing fit. But did you notice that, to me, I looked at all of the tracks that I kind of read as, like, massive, massive bangers and the biggest track that I like the ones that I were reading, the ones that I was reading as like the biggest kind of classic bangers were all Smokey Robinson produced. Did you notice that? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Smokey produced. I almost thought it was him fucking singing at first. I was like, that sounds exactly like Smokey Robinson. The, it does. the high voice guy, the high voice guy. And speaking yeah. of, if we're going to, we're going to throw out accolades to the voices, the bass voice. <laughs> Don't you love it? You love it as much as I do, Mike. <sighs> I mean, I'm okay with it, but what the fuck was that song? Dude, what's that song where it was literally like the bass solo voice? Oh, which that one was, was uh, that? Um, I, had, I actually wrote it down, so it might take me a little bit because, like I said, there's 37 songs to I read know. through here. And I'm, and I'm doing the same thing because I literally wrote, I was like, all right, it's cool that you're giving the fucking bass guy like his own song, but, but fuck you. <laughs> but fuck you. <laughs> I wish I could fucking find this. God. It wasn't Ball of Confusion. No, no, fuck no. No, god damn it. What the fuck was it? 
sued. Oh wait. Uh, I can't nah, find I it. Know, fuck it. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not going to dig anymore. It doesn't matter. Um, like, there was like, there was literally one track though, where they were literally like, Oh, it was, I truly, truly believe that sounds right. It, it was definitely that. Yep. Um, bass vocal was leading that one. What'd you write down about that one? That was track, uh, 18. Thank you. I gotta, if I can find it. Uh, okay. Totally different lead from the base of the group. Wish this would have been. <laughs> I wrote, I wish this would have been edited. <laughs> I didn't enjoy it. It wasn't my favorite thing. I actually, uh, I was just, I, I really enjoyed the the bass vocal. I thought it was kind of, it was funny, but in a good way. I liked on Runaway Child, Running Wild, Running Wild. It's basically a song about a kid running away from his parents and realizing that it was a huge fucking mistake. <laughs> and, the, and the bass guy was like, you're getting kind of hungry and you forgot to bring something to eat. You know? <laughs> I love that, dude. So funny. And it's supposed to be funny. Like, like they, know. they know the effect that that bass vocal that has. That that bass vocal you know? has. Yeah. That poor fucking bastard. They're just like, all right, man. You want me to go ahead and hit it? <laughs> I'll do it right now. He's like, it's going to be, you know, <laughs> thousand bucks of recording, but I'll do whatever you want, you know? <laughs> Dude, but that guy, I mean, seriously, that fucking, that range on his voice is... It's fucking bonkers. He's legit, dude. dude. He's a yeah. good singer for sure. They're all good. And one of the things that I liked a lot, especially in the funk songs, what technique they used a lot was this passing around of the vocals. Yeah. Where they were like, it was it was always during a verse. And they would like, like I said, they would just pass them around. The soprano guy would sing one, and the alto guy would sing one, and then it would go to the bass guy, and they would just kind of sing little lines that went back and forth. Kind of call and response style, but with more than one person. You know? Absolutely, and I mean, listen, this is this record. This record is really good. All right, um, it's it's too long. Um, you know, we've talked so much about the greatest hits versus the anthologies and all this stuff, and that's and this is this is painful for me because as much as I love the Temptations, I wish that they would have boiled this down to an essence. You know, um, like I said, I think you can pick this down to probably 12 or 13 tracks and get a way more compelling recording. But all that being said, the temptations need to be celebrated. I'm glad that they're on the list. This I, has to be their only record on the list, right? If, yes. they, if they did this, there's no way they have an actual There's absolutely release. no way. Yeah. There's absolutely no way. Like, this is what we're going to get from the Temptations outside of features, which we've already seen on the Diana Ross and the Supremes anthology. So, with that being said, what do you think about... Um, I mean, I did not add this to digital. I suppose if I... F Actually, I'm not going to buy this vinyl either. If I could find a more concise collection of hits from the Temptations, I would I would definitely buy the Temptations on vinyl, but I'm not going to buy a three-platter like the this. Just because I don't know if I would play it a lot. I mean, that's like, I'm going to have to flip it like a few times, you know? Yeah. And that's that's a lot of time to invest in, in playing the Temptations on, on vinyl. So, yeah, yeah I'm kind of there with you. Um, Where do you like it on the list, though? I mean, you're going to move it up. You're going to move it down. You're going to keep it, toss it. We got to keep it, right? I'm going to keep it. And honestly, like, this is probably going to be boring response because I've kind of said the same thing about several others this week. There's only really one or I really felt strongly about the, the the rest of them. Like I think they're pretty well placed. I mean I hate to say it, but this portion, maybe this this tiny little fucking portion of the list, 
doesn't suck. The rest is garbage, dog shit. You know, the, the rest sucks, but maybe this one little section doesn't. I appreciate you trying to throw a bone to um, to Rolling Stone, but I'm going to put this, I'm going to move this down because I would like to see this closer to Diana Ross and the Supremes. It, um, in fact, I would probably, um, they should be within 10 spots of each other and I wouldn't be upset if Diana Ross and the Supremes was actually above the Temptations because I, I was feel, wondering if you were going to say that. I feel like when Diana Ross and the Supremes go out on a limb, you know, when they really get into like their funky um, social um, social commentary that they were doing kind of later in their career, I thought it was more impactful. I thought it was more creative. Um, and I love Bala Confusion. Bala Confusion is a fucking great song. Um, but Soul Child is a fucking way better song, mm. in my opinion. And they were tackling far more challenging issues, I think, because they were women talking about women's issues at a time where women were still absolutely viewed as second class citizens, especially in the music world. So so yeah. for me, I want to move it back. I want to move the Supremes in front. I want to keep them within, like I say, within about five or ten lengths of each other because because I do think that it's important to represent it. It's important to talk about it. But like, let's save let's save this spot for something that's more deserving, in my opinion. Yeah, that's not. I don't disagree with that at all. You kind of convinced me actually with your spiel. Boom. Yeah. <laughs> It's my persuasive speaking abilities. All right, listen, we have um, we've been running, we've been running on this. Um, I want to thank I want to thank Jen Stout again. Yeah, thanks, Jen. Thanks yeah. for joining us. Um, thanks she wants for to come back, in. and we'll certainly have her back. Absolutely, absolutely. In fact, I almost feel like whenever American Idiot comes up, like that should be. That so that's be. coming up. You think that the only other one? Yes, it's the only. What are you gonna fucking put on there? Fucking brain stew or whatever that shit is. <laughs> that's like, a song, not a record fuck off okay whatever <laughs> american idiot is going to be coming up but i think i think it's going to be a while before we get to american idiot i think that numbers albums number three two and one on this list are trace dose and uno <laughs> most likely <laughs> that was sarcasm that's not that's not happening um, i do th listen i do think we catch american idiot i'm gonna i'm gonna predict between 250 and 200 maybe. i would be fucking stoked because that album came out when i was that age that I was talking about when I was like eighth grade and I was listening to Dookie, I got into Dookie after American Idiot. American Idiot probably came out when I was in the seventh grade and I was, uh, I was, I mean, it was my favorite thing. It's ever. an amazing record. Yeah. It's a, it's a fucking punk pop concept album. Yeah. Just because of its very nature of it's the only one that exists and they did it so well. It's so well done. I think that that's why I do think it's going to get love. Like, I really hope so. I hope it so has to be on the fucking list. The question is just how high is it going to be? I'd be stoked too. In my mind. So, uh, um, so yeah, we'll absolutely have Jen back on. Hopefully yeah. For that one. And again, apologies guys on the timing of this. Justin Handel did comment on YouTube and said, wait, isn't it Monday? What the damn hell is going on? So, <laughs> so sorry, Justin. Sorry, Justin. Thanks for checking us out though. Glad yeah. that you found us. Glad that you found us. Um, we are going to be back to the normal. Um, we are going to be back on Friday this yep. week. So it's going to be a short week for us. We've already started prepping for the next five. Both of us have. And, um, and it's kind of a weird week because I don't know that we've ever had a week with this much fucking hip hop um, thrown into it. So, It'll be interesting. Yeah, it's like 
three out of five. Yeah, like no. super, super heavy in hip hop. And then what's not hip hop is like fucking curveballs relative to yeah the hip hop that's on here. Definitely. And so. In terms of the hip hop, there's some good and there's some bad. Mm. Preview. All right. So uh, next, uh, in just a couple of days, in four days from now on Friday night, we're going to be talking about number 370 from 2005, the Kata 2 from Lil Wayne. 369 is Mob Deep, the infamous. Mm-hmm. From 1970, 368, George Harrison's album, All Things Must Pass. That's a fucking banger. Fucking beautiful, man. Yep. 367, Drake, if you're reading this, it's too late. So it's already too late? Should we just skip that one? Do I have to listen to it? I think or we can just talk about it without listening to it. If I'm listening to this, it's already too late. So we don't have to, yeah. JD and I, we, and we've talked about this. Like, if you've listened to the show, you know, we both fucking hate Drake. And I've, I've already told you this. I'm going to tell you again. I'm going to listen to that record once. I'm going to take notes on it once. I'm not fucking listening to How it. How long twice. is it? Do you know? For too long. If it's fucking I mean, one it? minute, it's too long, I know, dude. That's my point. There are two Southern hip hop records on this this week. <sighs> All right. So and then 366 is Aerosmith Rocks. Which that's a great fucking album. Yeah. I'm excited about that one too. So Aerosmith and George Harrison kind of rando, you know. Yeah. It's gonna be interesting to talk about that in the context of Lil Wayne, Mob Deep, Drizzy, and Drake. Drizzy. <laughs> Fuck you, Drizzy. Yep, exactly. And so, I'm looking ahead at the next week already. I shouldn't be, but I'm not gonna say anything, but it looks really fucking good. Um, do you want to talk about that too? <laughs> we can talk no. about that too. Well, we can yeah. talk about that from the context of um, we do have a special guest coming up for that. We do have a special guest. Yep. So coming up for 365 through 361, which is the week after next, is Mr. Bryce Wagner, who mm-hmm. I do play in a band with. Pale Blue Earth. Yep. And he plays bass. He's fantastic. fantastic band. Yep. Yeah. Fantastic bass player. Like that's a wonderful band to begin with. But well, thank Bryce you, Mike. Is a, dude, Bryce is a fucking revelation to listen to. So that'll be I a swear. lot of fun to have him on. Yeah. I'm excited fun. about it. I'm excited for you guys to finally meet because he feels like he knows you. As, as do so many people. Like that's the thing is like <laughs> and I you know, yeah, a lot of people that listen to the to the to the the podcast, they just kind of feel like they get to know either one of us, you know. Well, and I have met Bryce before because I have been to a, play, the, a yeah, Blue Earth show. Probably very briefly, though, right? Very briefly. Yeah. I think he may have given me a cigarette. Probably did. Yeah. <laughs> Something like that. Sounds like him. He's a nice guy. He's a wonderful guy. And and I'm super excited about that. We will wait. We'll wait until Friday to preview that. But um, there's there's some there's some ripping shit coming up. There so really is. Really, yep. really good stuff. Uh, so with all that being said, thanks for tuning in. If you did tune in on a Monday, thank you, Justin. <laughs> <laughs> thanks, Justin. And um, yeah, we'll be back in just a few short days to talk about some more records and some more shitty less. Indeed. We'll see you guys next week. Mm-hmm. Uh, this week. We'll see you on This Friday. week. Yeah, we'll see you in a couple days. This list sucks, this list sucks, this list sucks, this list sucks, it sucks. Happy Tuesday.